Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your hosts, Dave Gurney. I am here with... Carlos Cooper. And I'm Joe Hilliard. And we are here to uh, to talk beer, talk movies. I know there's maybe a little movie news that, that we're going to tackle at the top of the show, too. It's going to be one of those weeks. But but we definitely want to get to the beer, because if we leave that out, then I feel like we, we're just doing ourselves a disservice. And this is a special, special beer. Joe, f- fill us in here as our, as our resident statistician. If you heard our Best of 2020 episode, and if you haven't, I suggest you do, I mentioned on that that at the end of... 2020 we had gotten to uh high 200s tonight gents the next beer that we open is number 300 whoo that's a lot of beers it It certainly is so we're gonna drink our 300th beer tonight and that being said we found us a really good one yeah, I think so. We we got our hands on a couple beers that are uh you know of the highly sought after category. Love it. Th- these are uh somewhat older titles, so old, older bottles, uh not not bottles literally, but older uh recipe. This uh-huh. has been around. Supplication and beatification, both from Russian River. These are two of their, you know, more in their sour uh realm. But one is uh, beatification is 100% spontaneously fermented uh, and aged in wine barrels. Beautiful. So we, we're, we're going to that kind of like farmhouse territory that we like. It's a 6%er, so not super heavy, but like I say, one that people like. So that, I guess, will be our technical 300. Love it. But um, we're going to go ahead and as we're sipping that, we'll probably transition. We'll, we'll make note as we go to another Russian River. This is uh, Supplication. This is an ale aged in Pinot Noir barrels with cherries. And that one comes in at 7.75% ABV. So we'll have a couple nice... Uh, yeah, it's one of those hopes, corky hopes, beers. Yeah, Get some of that in. But that's exciting. 300. It, it doesn't even seem possible. But uh, I've that, had 300 beers in 2021 already. Yeah. <laughs> on the light, show, light though, work. it's more measured. I guess we've had certain no, I, I over-the-top episodes. <laughs> so we learned earlier this week, like uh, within seven days, that a if you don't know his name, you know hold his on, face. Hold on, don't get ahead of yourself. Well, I, I thought I was going to do it, like set up what we're going to do, and then I know we have a little news we want to talk about before we dive sure. into okay, it. Go, okay, 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 okay. I see, I see. Yafet Koto, Yafet Koto uh, passed away, I guess mostly known as far as his starring role as tele- in television's Homicide series. Yeah. But yeah. Um, my mind immediately goes to Alien. I mean, sure. that's where I know Yafet mm-hmm. Koto. And so we decided to do two of his films this week, just to say, you know, R.I.P., you're a fantastic character actor, a lead actor in one of the films we're going to talk about tonight. We are definitely going to talk about Alien. Uh, It's our entry into the Alien series and franchise tonight. And then it became, well, what can we do with it? Which Yafet Koto film would you guys like to do in addition to that? And we'll reveal that, what we're doing first. But man, if you were on the internet this week... You know that there was a big, big, big movie that came out that we're not talking about tonight, but no. certainly worth talking we, about as far as the splash that it's made. Look, I feel... That I've, was pretty good, Carlos, wasn't it? It was great. Come on. Thank you. Thank you for teeing me up for the 
tirade that I'm about to go on. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get that deep into it. I just. I mean, uh, clearly the biggest thing happening in movies, not in cinema, but in movies right now, is Zack Snyder's Justice League. The Sny- the the famed the. Uh, mysterious mythical Snyder Snyder cut the Snyder cut and I pitched the idea of doing it and if (laughs) listeners that have been with us for some time recall we have we did Justice League already Mm -hmm. we fucking hated it yeah and so it was a chore the idea that I would ask us to Watch it again, but twice as long this time. It's a four and a half hour cut, right? It's four. It's four hours and two minutes. Okay. The they credits, talked about doing it as a short miniseries which instead would have, of which would have been interesting. I feel um, it would have benefited. I don't know uh, for sure, but I'm on the fence about where I stand on that. Um, but yeah, it, the credits are about eight or ten minutes long, so it comes in right or under four hours. Okay. Um, but it's still a fucking four hour movie. Yeah. And so I was shot down immediately, um, which is probably for the best. Let's talk, at, let's talk about that for a second. We aren't fans, I don't think, the three of us, collectively, of the DC franchise. Of, With the exception of the first Nolan. Wonder Woman film. Right. And, and, I, I, yeah. I enjoyed that film. Right. I've heard good things about Shazam. I've seen. Oh I've, yeah, I've actually, seen Shazam, Shazam was pretty good. But yeah, and, all those weird I, one-offs. They might bring him in yeah. as the Chris Pratt, uh, yeah, uh, and, character and, yeah. from what's it called, Star Guardians. Yeah, if they right. bring them all to all together. Someone told me recently. Uh, my friend Nathan told me that he watched Birds of Prey, and that it was actually at least kind of fun. Yeah, I watched it. I've heard positive things yeah. about so it. So we we hadn't done a lot of DC universe stuff. Well, here. because the one thing that we really did, yeah. the Justice League, yeah. was just such a right. So so when it was pitched in our pitch meeting, our weekly uh, pitch meeting where we get together and smoke cigars and drink cognac, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's do this four hour, you know, Zack Snyder thing. It kind of quickly. You're right, Carlos. It was quickly dismissed as something that might be worth our time. To as, and, and as much time as it took to mention it, it was shot down immediately and again i do not begrudge you for this however i hate myself and i that makes me sad am uh a morbidly curious fellow mm-hmm. and so when i started seeing people say positive things about it i, I, I felt like you needed i thought you needed. what is happening here i have to, I, I have to see what's going on uh and so i i have seen the entire thing uh-huh. I watched it all in two separate sittings, so you know, kind of like watching two. You made your own whatever. miniseries. Uh, yeah, uh, it's technically a nine-part film because there are title cards, part one, part two, oh, really? and there's eight parts and an epilogue, which is hilarious. Uh, this movie is hysterical. Um, in the hubris of it, or it's not supposed to be. Okay. but it's so fucking bad that at times it's like, wow, you did. It, it's like Gili. It's a lot I'm like, amazed it's a lot that like you, you have the, I mean, I, I'll have to see it at some point, sure. I suppose. But your take is so different than every other. I haven't heard anybody trashing on it yet, which I'm surprised. Oh, it, I it mean, feels no, like it was ripe to be I have on. heard it takes a while to get into, but once you get into the vibe of it, the, the four hours goes along actually relatively quickly. I, I, would, I, will, I will agree with that. Like, it doesn't... I mean, and I did watch it in two parts, but it didn't, like feel as incredibly long as it probably could have felt. I mean, it's it's interesting, and the reason I wanted to bring it up is because, like, they fixed one of the main problems, which is that the villain had... the It was a flat villain. He had no motivation. We yeah. knew almost nothing about him. Like, whatever. And now he's a fully formed, 
like three-dimensional character with hopes and desires and wants and needs and regrets and all this stuff but then while they fixed that they fucked everything else up like the characterization of everybody is like contradicts itself from scene to scene there's hysterically laughable moments in it I mean, it's like textbook, like you can make something look as nice as you want, but if you're a bad storyteller, your movies aren't going to be good. And Zack Snyder's a very bad storyteller. He's all aesthetic and no substance. And, but I will say, if you're on the fence about watching this movie, I recommend that you watch at least the first like hour, hour and 15 minutes. And you can stop about five minutes after the hot dog scene. Oh, and I will not explain what the hot dog scene is, but you will know it it when you get to it. Okay. Yeah. There is a moment in this film that can be described as nothing else other than the hot dog scene. And that in and of itself is worth the hour of your life you'll waste huh. getting to that point. It is kind of right. I'm, I'm excited oh, for a hot dog scene. I, I don't bananas insane. I mean, like there are parts of this movie that remind me of like when I would watch Gili for the first time and I heard Christopher Walken talk about like, oh, it's so delicious. Your tongue will shoot your brains out or your, or your brain will like whatever trying to get to it. Like, you know, these in the Pacino monologue, it, like there's just parts of <laughs> parts of this movie. You're like, who let you do this? <laughs> Why did you think this was a good idea? What is happening? So, yeah. without going down too deep of a rabbit hole, Joss Whedon is the director of Justice League. The one we the first reviewed. One, yeah, yeah. Right. Is this the footage that so was recut? No, added okay, to no. So okay, so, so what happened is Zack Snyder started the project. Right, his daughter died. Joss Whedon took over. Now, the reason the Snyder cut is a thing is because he finished a cut of the film before Joss Whedon got there that several studio executives described as unwatchable. Mm -hmm. And then Jim Lee, who's the president of DC, um, who isn't a film executive, but a DC executive, went back and said, no, that's not true. We believe in Snyder and his vision and blah, 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 blah. That was taken out of context, yada, yada, yada. And then fans began to... Well, but then they... So they... That that was said to just to justify why they brought Joss Whedon, and he reshot. Depending on who you ask, anywhere between sixty to eighty percent of the film, hmm. like a very large portion. Hmm. Of it. Now the rumor always was that Snyder had finished a cut that he felt was the way the film should be seen um, before Joss Whedon got there, and that there was enough footage for them to have finished Zack Snyder's vision, have executed his vision. However, this is likely untrue because of all of the money that was given for Snyder to finish his cut. You wouldn't need $70 million to finish a film if you had already finished it. And yeah. I believe there were reshoots that were done for this. Well, Snyder cut. I don't know. You, and so, you might need at least 70 million just to tie up. This. <laughs> so, you know, but yes, it was, it was mostly fan pressure that even got this ball rolling huh. in the first place. Okay. And I think it's Snyder trying to prove like, I can make a good movie. Like, look what you could have had. And like the epilogue is 25 minutes of like post credit Marvel sequences uh, that normally would last like maybe five minutes tops. It's 25 minutes of that. And I think it's him like teasing stuff that will never happen now because obviously you have Robert Pattinson as Batman and Mm. like they're kind of clearly getting away from what Justice League would have evolved into. And it's like him trying to be like, look what you could have had. Look what I would have done. Look look at this. We could have had this. Well, And now it'll never happen. But it's like, no, everything you were trying to tease and set up was... I mean, Jared Leto as the Joker, he doesn't show up to... Well, maybe... maybe. Is 
it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like they should revoke his Oscar. Well, it sounded for this pretty. It sounded like it was received that way when it was in the Suicide Squad. No, film, but right? when we saw images of him from Justice League, fans largely online from, from Snyder's be cut better? were like, "Oh, look at how much better this oh, is," you know. Uh, and it's like, literally, he should have <laughs> his Oscar stripped of him. It's like it's like how Pete and Rose have it given to Joaquin Phoenix for no. no. <laughs> well, he already has it. Uh, no, it's like, but it, give him another one. I'm just saying, like pile them on. Yeah, you're the real Joker, buddy. <laughs> All right, let's move off. Of the same way that Pete Rose will never get into the Baseball Hall of Fame for uh, for his infractions, I know, he I should know. never be. It's it, there should again. be rules, but you know, it's, it's a we live in a lawless single shot. Also, One man take. Also in beer news, uh, hometown boys Isla Street are inexplicably collabing with uh, oh, you, Oasis. You're Brewing. bringing this up. All right. Uh, okay. So there's movie and beer news. I won't say anything else about the beer news, but there is that collab that's happening. I'm super excited that it is happening. I mean, it's interesting. If only to bring their beer closer to me. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Carlos, you are right. That is the biggest beer news, uh, the biggest movie news of the week is this Zack Snyder cut. And thanks, but we have better movies to talk. Thanks about for bringing that. it up. Um, we needed to find a second Yafet Koto film. Yeah. And we... Which there are many. Went to his filmography uh-huh. and chose a film I'd never heard of before. Uh, the name of the film is called Bone. Right. Might be worth mentioning a few of those films that we passed over, um, only because I, I think some of them are ones that people will know and love, and, and some are ones that I've seen, but others that I really want to see. Across 110th Street was one of those films that mm-hmm. I was kind of making a little pitch for there, partly because I know the theme song so well <laughs> from its use in Jackie Brown and, and just being a badass song, but I've never seen the film uh, that, that it was based on, yeah. and, and he was a major player in that. Friday Foster with Pam Greer, I mean, uh, that is a classic. Yeah, Blue Collar by Paul Schrader okay. um, with Richard Pryor and uh, Harvey Keitel with him. One that I remember seeing years ago, would like to have revisited, but again... W- I think what we picked was great, um, only in, in the sense that, well, in many senses perhaps, but at, at least in the sense that none of us had seen it. It's, I think, one of those obscure kind of films that unless you really seek it out, you're not going to find it. Right. So it's kind of fun every once in a while to And unlike Alien, it is a pure lead for uh, Absolutely. Koto. It hangs and, on it. And he plays the character title Bone, although that is not his name. It's what they call me, Bone, he yeah. says in the film. Um, a seemingly wealthy couple are Hills. lounging by their pool when the husband, find, he's a car dealer, and he has television <laughs> ads and et cetera. Say, say it again. Yeah. No, it's just And laughing, he finds a rat in the pool. Uh-huh. And while you're calling the exterminator Bone, a bone shows up who (laughs) in a very bizarre way they think might be an exterminator for no reason at all who happened to be walking by whatever he kills the rat and then quickly lets them know that he's there to rob them takes them into the house there is no money actually he finds bank balances and other kinds of things other indications that they are heavily in debt the wife finds this out for the very first time right there on the spot he gets the husband to go to the bank to uh, withdraw some cash that he found in a, some, a, a bank balance. And if you don't come back by 3 p.m., I'm going to rape and maybe do worse to your to your wife. That's all we kind of need to know. I, I, right. I really don't know where we're going to go with this conversation because what we are seeing here, I'll get, I'll get the ball rolling, is a <laughs> film, what, what year did it come out, uh, David 72. or Carlos? Yeah. yeah. A film that could only have happened 
in this era of filmmaking. I agree with that. With when when we are less sensitive to certain topics and also willing to give filmmakers a, a little bit of money. This couldn't have been a high budget film at all. A little bit of no. money to do something different and, and interesting. And I'm working without notes. I'm, I, I, sh- I know I yeah. should know who the uh, the name of the, the director is. Larry Cohen. Larry Cohen. Yep. I went on to watch It's Alive after watching this because this film made an impression on me. And that's really... Uh, There's definitely a lot of... I was going through Larry Cohen's filmography and I was like, oh, I need to see this. I need to see this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, well, this is Larry Cohen's first film. It and is. it... Uh, certainly was the birth of a very interesting filmmaking voice, which I'm sure we'll talk about before we get done. Yeah, yeah. So Larry Cohen is a name that I knew a little bit, uh, in part because of his film The Stuff, yeah. which yeah. W- from the 80s that, that I had seen when I was you know, fairly early on in my horror movie watching. That and would have been one that uh, the title and the poster grabbed your attention at the video store. And it's, and it's a very popular, like horror film in the like 80s b yeah like yeah sure right it has sphere. a good reputation yeah. people like it yes and and for good reason it's it's, it's an effective the same i would say yes the i never thing. got around to seeing those but you're right then there's a sequel or maybe even two he did two. he did one and three from what i saw oh he skipped two that's it interesting. seems like he, skipped he came back for it's alive island okay yeah um, you know, and he's had, there's others. Q was one that came Q. up that, yeah, you, which that is about a, a winged a serpent, kid. like Q a dragon. Man? Yeah, yeah. And the, the other one that I had sought out Stupid. and seen was God Told Me To, which is kind of uh, a weird film that Andy Kaufman has a small role oh, okay. in. And when I was oh, going yeah, through yeah. my big Kaufman phase, it was yeah. part of what I watched. But so I knew he was this quirky outsider exploitation film director who had started in the 70s and had in many cases pushed certain kinds of boundaries in his films or did things with them that even within the exploitation realm would get noticed so yeah i was curious to see where does a guy like that start and in this film with uh yafet kato uh what could this be and it is a, you summarized it pretty well, Joe. I mean, just set up w- where it goes. You know, a couple in Beverly Hills, um, not really happily married, already kind of, you know, tugging at each other a little bit. And then this guy shows up who ends up, you know, staging a home invasion, essentially, forcing them to try to get money, but in the process, finding out that they're totally bankrupt mm-hmm. i mean they, all of their money is just and, and made she, up and the wife is not aware of this right so she, she becomes aware her. of the the false front that her husband has sure. pre- been presenting which as you said the husband is a used car dealer who does these very hammy used car salesman ads God, that the beginning's so good right well that no the beginning is like the, what you skip over in doing a synopsis is that it opens in this there's scene so much in this movie of a junkyard yeah. Where there's all these dead people staged in cars as if they've been in accidents or whatever. Or as if he's collected them and yeah, put them in the yeah. cars, maybe. But he's doing a straightforward ad. Come on down to da 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 motors. Yes. Very, very earnest. And this very bizarre. Oh, yeah. Super but jarring. It, but super jarring. It cuts away from that and doesn't really go back to mm-hmm. it again. You do see some well, other dreams. It does dream, later. Dream yeah, sequence yeah. Uh, car ads. Right. As he... as everyone's insanity is moving you know moving toward that direction but you basically have two storylines the husband who leaves to go to the bank and what happens to him and then what happens with bone and the wife Mm -hmm. who are now alone in the home yeah yes 
so so you get those parallel stories, but lots of style, and, yeah. the, and that's what it's like. The opening, these little editing uh, maneuvers where they'll just insert footage from earlier in the film, later in the, like yeah. sort of these very rapid flashbacks or flash forwards and that the you sun, get. Yeah, the sun that shows up and those quick cuts every yeah. now and then. That it's clearly. I, I think what you were saying earlier, Joe, about this being of a certain time and only being able mm-hmm. to be made in that time, I think is exactly right. And I see this and it makes me think of uh, the films of Robert Downey Sr., the, Robert Downey mm-hmm. Jr.'s father, if you've ever seen you know, Putney Swope. Mm-hmm. Or, they're these very darkly satirical, almost absurdist fantasy kind of films. Like B- Bunuel, obviously, like a big influence on these guys. And I think Cohen was coming from the same place with this, which threw me off. I told Carlos, uh, I, I didn't talk specifics, but when I stopped well, in the shop, say, like get I said, I'm yeah. looking forward to talking about this film because it really fucked with me. And you I almost t- turned it off? I almost turned it off. Like the first 15 to 20 minutes of it, I was like, Jesus, is this going to be like the most knuckle-dragging, racist portrayal of a home invasion that I'm ever going to see and is it just going to but then it did a series of things that start revealing oh no it's taking that at its baseline and now it's kind of turning things on you and it's saying like I'm giving you the most over the top kind of racist portrayal because this is their fantasy this is like the the Beverly Hills couple's projection of the fantasy like the dissolution of their marriage it's such a mind fuck of a film Mm -hmm. once it gets going that it really knocked my socks off but i almost left it (laughs) before i got there yeah when he when when david told me that i stopped and i was like fuck i gotta i gotta watch this right now (laughs) and so i turned it on right after he left and i was watching it at work um and (laughs) It was, you know, it was, it was, it was a unique experience to watch uh, the scene where Bone is chasing her around the bar, yeah. like, you know, trying to rape her. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't guess that is what was happening. I love how straightforward um, all the rape conversation was. I'm going to rape her if you don't get back here. Well, it's time for you to don't be say raped. that in front of her. She's right here. Yeah, it's yeah. time for you to be raped now. I'm going to rape you now. And yeah. then a very sorry, Carlos, interrupt, but a very almost difficult to watch attempted rape yeah mm-hmm. and no it is difficult it got, yeah. it gets gnarly and that yeah but then where their relationship goes after that okay yeah well i mean but it's that straightforward because it's like you know like a commentary on like what david was saying about like their like i guess fantasy i mean that seems like a well, weird this is i mean weird word these are people it, who are in a loveless marriage that's built on a whole bunch of illusions that they've created, especially the husband with this like sort of false financial front that he's doing well and he right. has, and he's been able to prop it up. So it's it's all a house of cards. It's going to yeah. get knocked down. And Bone is like the manifestation of this hollow, empty marriage uh-huh. that they've built together. It, what happens? You bring in the biggest disruptor possible. This thing that they project all of their fear into, the black man, the man who's going to take them down. Yeah. And so you bring him in, and that becomes the thing that they sort of fantasize destroys their life. They had destroyed their lives. They had mm. destroyed lives. Right. <laughs> they were, You know what I mean? They needed nothing. But this becomes the externalization. And then where it ends up going sort of confirms that. I mean, at a certain point, that's really how I started reading the film. And then where you end, where, I mean, we're yeah. a spoiler podcast, where... 
he probably was imagined, right? I mean, like at least where the film kill- ends up. Yeah, she kills the husband, and then he well, disappears, well, and he just vanishes into thin air. And she's yeah. like, but, <laughs> you've, "You've missed three three steps minimally." Yeah, yeah. The the rape doesn't occur, no. not quite. So that's, almost. I, I do want to say that no, because that's true. if you're if you're tender hearted about seeing that kind of thing depicted on film. The buildup is bad enough that I think anybody who's super sensitive should stay away. But then, yes, it doesn't get. She says, basically, paraphrasing, "Why didn't you rape me?" And and they get into this really weird conversation uh, about it about black uh, stereotype that yeah. you white folk have, and how the civil rights movement has diminished. Like the segregation of the society made me scarier to you. Yeah, but now that we're Integrating as a society, mm-hmm. seventy-two, uh, you know, a few years after the yeah. late sixties, civil rights. Yeah. Um, now I'm now I don't get to carry that around any longer. Yeah. He's almost like he, the character, is almost regretful that that is the case. And then she seduces him, yeah, because yeah. aren't I pretty? Aren't right. I? You know? Wants to prove, yeah. And then they seem to develop a relationship. Where they're going to now kill him and take his life insurance policy. Right, the find the husband, kill him, maim him. him. Yeah. In the which meantime, is hilarious. While they're driving and they're like, well, if he loses a finger, yeah. and they're like trying to do the math of like how yeah. many things they can do to him before they kill him, mm-hmm. hoping that, oh, if it adds up to more for all the different pieces. <laughs> yeah. And in the meantime, the husband decides that the best thing he can do is get his wife killed. So I'm yeah. not going to get the money and take it back. Well, that's yeah. pretty much, yeah. I mean, he he forsakes her pretty early, and it's not maybe as apparent that he's just w- throwing it's his hands up and saying that first, no. she's going to die. But at a certain point, it, given how much he avoids going back and then how he behaves later, it mm-hmm. becomes, oh, no, he's just decided that and then, he's going to let her die. And, and that, then he finds, a, uh, then he bumps into a girl <laughs> out of <laughs> the market. Yeah. Ooh, and, that, gets, and they, that gets squirrely. Yeah. They have a little liaison in the middle of the afternoon. Right, where yeah. she's this very sort of ostentatiously sexual uh-huh. uh, person, uh-huh. and just very over the top. A grifter. And he doesn't even seem all that interested, in th- but he goes along with her, and they're talking, and then, but then it gets into this whole crazy, yeah. you know, sequence where she's, uh, you know... Accusing him of having molested her at a young age and yeah. well, like fantasy role reliving with this him. trauma yeah. and well, yeah. but no, I mean at first she's talking about it just like oh this is a thing that happened to me but then she does at, she twists it and yeah. it's like yo you did this, yeah you yeah know. you smell just like it yeah. You? yeah yeah that that scene was something else man I, it, and then and then it becomes abundantly clear what his intentions were because you start getting those really stylized commercials again yeah where you know he's talking to and then we find we find out that there was a dog that was in his commercial mm-hmm. that he ran over just for the sympathy so that they could hold yeah. like awake at the car dealership and then all these people Increased come to the dealership to warn cars. the dog and then bought cars while they were there mm-hmm. and yeah it, this this movie is fucking crazy yeah, yeah. This, there this, was like so much going it, but so good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's very, very, very worth watching. Uh, it's just a it's, wild ride. It's wild. Like it, I said, it, it's it's one of those mindfuck films that was made in the late 60s, early 70s, in this moment where you could just barely make that kind of film. 
And now you can't. You couldn't before. It's a a midnight movie that didn't catch on as a midnight movie. I could see this having been more successful in a cult capacity than it ever really was. Right. Because I mentioned before we got talking here tonight that it was difficult to find a lot of commentary and criticism and analysis of the film outside Mm -hmm. of some kind of blurb and more of a Larry Cohen article, you know? So... I'm glad we found it. I'm, I don't know how we found it, but it just, we kind of threw a dart, dart at his filmography and yeah. landed on one that I am really, really glad that we watched. I mean, it just happened to be on Amazon Prime, so I mean, yeah, well, fuck, that's true. Fuck Jeff Bezos, but thank you for this. Uh, I mean, that was that was that was great. Uh, that and it's so it's it is easy, easily accessible if you're listening to this and you're like, wait. You guys said so many things. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah. go watch it, piece it together. Because it is like... I mean, I think it... You know, I've, we've all said positive things. We all liked it. It's a, it's a very um, complicated film. It's a film that do not expect that kind of internal consistency from it. Except for the fact that I think once you're through it, you will see it as a pretty clear kind of dark satire of American culture... Of that moment. Of that moment, yeah. But there's reverberations now. Sure. There's well, stuff yeah, that's still sure. Sure. Re- relevant now. So, I mean, totally worthwhile. Great performances. Yes. We didn't really belabor that, but, you know, yep. for a film... Yeah, that was good in it. He carried it really well, um, being kind of leering and aggressive when he needed to be, but also being able to turn on a dime and be really charming and yeah. innocent. Yeah, and kind of goofy sometimes. Yeah. Ticklish. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he, he was really fun mm-hmm. in this. And uh, Andrew Duggan... Who I don't really know. I mean, I I think he was like a TV actor all the time. Yeah, but man, he He nails being some weird. Yeah, the used car salesman, the strange guy being attacked when he's you know. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, For me, Joyce Van Patten. For me, it was a. Who is this director? And where did yeah. he go? Yeah. And uh, it wasn't just a few years later that he, he had made a couple more films, but then decided he wanted to try to make a mark in the horror genre. And he did It's Alive. Yeah. And I said, I'm watching It's Alive. Like, I, like 10 minutes after I finished Bone, I started It's Alive. That's I realized funny. I had seen it before. I forgot that I had back in some 80s sleepover with some buddies, you know, where we were in super big into horror. We probably did a double feature with It and Bad Taste. <laughs> film I hope we can discuss on the show someday um, and, and and then uh, I, I kind of want to watch a lot more of his films because yeah. he does have a certain visual style even if the you know camera work's not exceptional or anything like that but it, this was a happy surprise I'm really really glad that we chose this well film. good I'm glad I was a little worried coming into this where I thought mm-hmm. you guys might just hate hate this film for how- I never was going to turn it off I wanted to see where it went but uh, it for was sure. I mean that is yeah it's not a movie that I think you know again unless you know you're somewhat sensitive to some of the violence in it that you would turn off because yeah it just it twists and turns keeps and you it, on your toes it mangles you, itself what, once you, you know? see it make one or two of those little changes you're like oh this is not gonna yeah. stay on a straight path yeah, this like, isn't what is going on here yeah well, your, your point is valid had he just violated her yeah and played into the stereotypes of of race and yeah. in film that might have been going on at that point but he doesn't and then she desires it and then they have that conversation well, you reference carlos where no they have a really long conversation where race is kind of completely dissected yeah and yeah. that would have been pretty 
cutting edge to see in 1979. Sure, sure. that's yeah. a frank way of talking about... It was about, very frank. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. they have a very oddly straightforward conversation about why he was unable to perform Follow through. this violent yeah. act. Yeah. And then she almost starts feeling bad for him mm-hmm. at a certain point. And then he ha- he starts talking about this, like, well, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be, and this is all I mm-hmm. know how to be, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, things like that. This is like what's that. worked yeah. prior to now. Um, and, yeah, and and then, yeah, I, I, the whole thing is crazy. It, it, <laughs> it was so wild. And, you know, there are some, there are some points where you... I think the points in the film where you realize what the fuck is going on that is like, those are the moments where you're like, that make the film, you're like, whoa, wait, that's what's happening? Wait, so now what, you know? Yeah. And, so it, and it, those kind of like, almost like benchmark points that you hit yeah. throughout, like, well, like once you realize that the guy, the husband hasn't gone back to, like why the husband hasn't gone back to the bank, you're like, oh, well, fuck now, like, <laughs> you know, like, and, it's just, it's just wild. It's, it's, it's worth wild your time. It, yeah. It's and, and and it's definitely a thing that like, and I, there's some films that do this where the entire time you're watching, and I think I think we kind of talked about this a little bit last week with some of the Cassavetti stuff, where the entire time you're watching, you're like, okay, 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 <laughs> and then you're kind of piecing it, and then by the end of it, you're like, ah, oh. and then so. But with something like this, that's a little bit heavier than some of those Cassavetes, yeah. as subject matter wise. Then you're just left to kind of like stew with stew and like ruminate and like think like think back like, okay. Then you kind of have to go back and piece it all together. Like, wait, what is whoa? <laughs> and there's and there's so much meat on right. the bones to chew right. on. It sounds like, like all right. three of us marinated with this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, which is which is a big part of why when David said what he said that I was like I'm gonna watch it right now yeah. because I knew I was gonna be. Uh, driving to San Antonio and, and and back on Saturday. And so I was like, well, that would be a good time to really <laughs> sit with this. Yeah, you know, sure. And, think back sure. On it. and also a day that I basically would not be able to watch any of the stuff for the week. And so I was like, okay, if I can if I can get it done before then, then I'll just be able to really just like think about it the whole time. And like, <laughs> well, there you what go. I, what happened? To me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Not a movie that I I have ever heard of. Not a movie I think anybody would ever just accidentally fall into. But fuck, man, go if you have one that I hope more people see. So hopefully, we're adding to that. As wild as this film was, how did this wild ale pairing go with it? Well, if we're gonna go in order and talk about our three hundredth beer, yeah, the Beatification by Russian River Brewing Company. You know, we had that a couple of fantastic wild ales, you know, farmhouse ales last Mm -hmm. week. Um, this is very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. This is worthy of 300. Yeah. I kind of preferred the other one, though, uh, the supplication yeah. a little bit more if I was going to do them side by side as we did. Yeah. I can understand where you're coming from. I mean, the, the it was a richer flavor. Beatification is, is lighter. Flavor. Yeah, it more, is. It's brighter, too. Yes. It's 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 kind of a, um, you know, being a wild ale, you you get some hints of, I think there's some Brent in there. I think, you know, it's a, it's a little dry. Mm-hmm. It's certainly tart, a little bit funky, I, I think, but delicious and really easy to drink. Very. Um, I agree with you though. The supplication is a little richer. It's getting that wine barrel. It's 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 got a little more oomph to it, a little more body. 
And yeah, that, that, that feels a little more satisfying when I'm having them side by side, but both excellent beers. And I agree a good, a good option, a good choice for us to have made for a 300. Supplications color was a little more complex. Yeah. Uh, You know, there was more going on in that bottle and I do appreciate that, but both of them wouldn't turn down a second. I preferred, um, the second as well. Um, but you know, what can you do? But it's not, like the first, it's not like the first one was bad. Both really good beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And and ones that deserve their reputation. I mean, it's it's great every once in a while to to finally get to encounter one of these beers that you know I've heard these names for years and mm-hmm. thought like oh eventually I'll, you know Russian River is also known for uh, uh, Pliny the Elder, right? Uh, Pliny the Younger, like th- these IPAs that people go crazy for. Mm-hmm. And I had had those because those I think people get a little bit more. Uh, resolute about just trying to get them back. These ones are maybe a little bit harder to land just because people don't get as excited about sours, so they don't right. travel as widely. But uh, I'm glad I got the chance to try them. Fun stuff. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. Ah, that was that was fun. All right. Go, so, go, go see Bone. Get yourself your hands on some Russian yeah. liver and you can live as large <laughs> as we do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And soon we'll be living even larger because as Joe uh, mentioned at the beginning of the uh, podcast here, we're going to be looking at the film that probably Cotto is most well-known for, even though he plays a smaller role in it, and that is Alien from 1979, when we get back from this break. <laughs> uh, with another beer to accompany our next film, this is one that I have been waiting for the right moment, <laughs> and I feel that moments now. Um, this is a beer from Fair State Brewing Co-op. We love a cooperative, a cooperatively owned union-made beer. Um, not a beer for Jimmy Fallon, apparently. Ooh, uh, ooh, shots are fired. It it's called Main Boss, <laughs> uh, and it is in collaboration with Pulpit Rock Brewing Company. Uh, not entirely sure what they are about or where they're from, but we know Fair State's from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, which interesting fact is uh, of the wealthiest twenty-eight metropolitan areas areas in the U.S. Minneapolis is the only one on that list that's not on a coast. Well, fun now. fact about Minneapolis. Uh, collaboration with Pulpit Rock Brewing, inspired by our favorite umbrella drinks. This is an imperial stout brewed with tons of coconut, molasses, oh. and house-made orgiat, orgiat, O R G E A T. Not sure how to say that. Syrup that's almonds and citrus together. I think Joe's going to have to make some for dinner table. <laughs> uh, the crossover Don't challenge. Um, me. 12%, baby. Oh, I like where we're going with this. I thought you were mm. going to pull out like a um, a face hugger IPA. Or <laughs> I mean, if it... If well, main boss. I mean, you know, the, the, stout. Uh, the, the alien is the main boss. Yeah. Um, you know, this one, immediately pouring it into the glass, I was getting wafts of coconut. So you must be happy about that, Carlos. You're getting some of the almonds kind of yeah, uh, yeah. on there as yeah, well. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of both. It pours Oof. beautifully in the uh, nice, thick stout. I, I'm eager to, to get all in this. Thanks, a Carlos, for bringing A deep, dark it. beer mm-hmm. for a deep, dark film. 
uh, that uh, is is just. I mean, let's not tiptoe around it, folks. Widely regarded as a classic, yeah. it, it would be big time hot takes yeah. if if uh, any of us came out this against movie this is band. This movie sucks. <laughs> uh, Stromo about- would never still be in business. We've talked about Alien, and I hated the rom com sequence in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> pairing yeah. this with. Um, Prometheus, I think, was the conversation that we've had a couple of times. Let's do Alien and Prometheus as as an episode. Yeah. So when uh, Mr. Koto passed away, I think it was me that said, let's at least do Alien. I don't know where we go from there, but let's do yeah. Alien. Let's finally do Alien. And re-watching Alien, which I haven't seen since probably my son was 10 or 11, so 10 years maybe. It's yeah. been a decade since I've seen this movie. Yeah. Motherfucker holds up, man. <laughs> this movie's fantastic. That's interesting. You said every 11. single I, aspect I, of I, it. I contemplated. I'm done. <laughs> I contemplated letting my 11 year old watch with me. She's she's shown interest in wanting to watch horror films, and I thought maybe I could. But I, well, I did. I didn't go there. Aside I didn't go from there. a couple of of a salty words, the chest bursting scene is pretty intense. It's intense, and it stays intense. Now. I had the the accident of birth of being born at a time where I could see Spaceballs well before I saw Alien, okay. so it was a little bit spoiled for me by the the Not comic again. Yeah, version uh, that they do in that. But uh, but it's still pretty effective yeah. <laughs> as, as a scary scene. Yeah. What uh, is the song that he sings when he pops out? Hello, my baby. Hello, Hello my darling. darling. Hello, yeah. my ragtime guy. What yeah. Michigan J Frog sing? Hell yeah, that shit is tight. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Where, where do we go? I, I, uh, do I we need to saw, synopsize the film? Well, I too I'm, saw Spaceballs first, uh, so I'm familiar with your experience. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah. I mean, the, the basic idea isn't that hard. It's, you know, a crew on a commercial vessel out in space um, that get a distress signal. They're they go woken. into a hypersleep the, to get to go right. the many, many they're, years and many, many miles. Right, right. So they're woken out of their sleep because mm-hmm. there's been a distress signal or a signal that they perceive that may be a distress signal. They go towards this vessel, this other vessel that they're going to go see what, what's going on. A team goes. Uh, one of the members of that team is attacked. They come back to the ship and then they're dealing with the aftermath of that trapped on this ship together as they try to figure out what the ramifications of that attack were, which ends up... Unleashing a monster on yeah, the ship. With, with a couple of fantastic surprises that I think elevate the film. The the surprise that the science officer is an android or a mm-hmm. synthetic, uh, and the way that that is revealed with the single drop of milky blood going down his temple, and mm-hmm. that's a little weird. And then all of a sudden he begins you know, attacking our our protagonist Sigourney Weaver as Ripley. Yeah, and um, they knock his fucking head off with like a fire extinguisher <laughs> or something. Um, I. Yeah, that's that's awesome. one of the surprises of course the face hugger and, and because the movie it takes 30 minutes to get anywhere with this thing it's slow and pace slow but once that yeah. first 30 minutes goes by and the alien is on the face hugger i would say it's closer to like an hour until it really picks it could up, be is on his is on his face and then where it goes from there then the action becomes quick and right. fast and I, terrifying i'll agree with you the pa- the pacing of this film i think is very specific and it, and it does have this slower rhythm to it that it eventually builds up into a much more frenetic kind of tempo once things get unleashed but i never feel bored 
even you know in that first part even if it's just being impressed visually well that's what i mean is like the design of it all the way it looks it's all i mean remember this is 1979 i I try to it still works now but i'm just you know like it's impressive that they made this in 79 and it looks as good as it does um you, you know with the exception maybe of the computer displays which at this point, are kind of charming in a way, and you know, the this is had. my favorite era of computer sci-fi graphics, of sci-fi. The set design. Yeah, yeah. Star the Wars way, does the same exact shit. The way everything looks with like all the lights everywhere, mm. and there's a lot of buttons and switches and yeah. stuff. Now, lots of switches. When you do something like this, everything's touchscreen and everything's yeah. like, you know, visuals on like transparent kind of pieces of glass like minority yeah. report style which don't get me wrong the minority report shit looks tight like if i could put a glove on and blah, blah, sure blah, 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 sure that'd be sick but like go back this, to our review of that on yeah this episode. is where everything's more tactile and it's like and yeah. then like uh, the the room dallas sits in mm-hmm. uh the, the womb yeah that's all those different lights blinking on all the it's on the yeah. walls and the right. ceilings and everything it's right. fucking sick yeah. it looks so <laughs> sick and also i thought about this really hard it makes sense that this particular vessel would be slightly more primitive technologically because if you think about like this ship having its currently on its way back from its destination sure it's probably been in space for a long time you know because they like they do the hibernating thing or whatever so like yeah yeah. anyway i thought about that and i was like you know what this actually does this actually could make some sense this is like a kind of antiquated it looks great and even if even if some of it it doesn't fit with our contemporary vision of of future Mm -hmm. space vessels but it's dark, it's grimy, it's dirty, mm-hmm. that all that stuff except for the science bay. Except for the science bay, right. There are there is a space on the ship where they're in there eating whatever the, 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 the dining yeah. hall. Yeah. The, there are spaces that are kind of clean uh nicely brighter. lit, yeah. brighter mm-hmm. white walls. Um and th- those are where you kind of get disarmed, right? Because you have all this darkness of the ship, but then you have these moments and actually probably, you know, we've already talked about the chest burst, that the most horrific moment happens in one of those white, open, lit right, spaces. Bright, yeah. You know, the, they're playing with the contrast there, too. There, You know, there are times where you get kind of surprised by things and shocked by things, I think, even more so because of the way they're set or yeah. the way, you know, way they're placed. Yeah, I mean, one it. of the surprises, I mean, I, the, the, fa- the, the face hugger. Oh, mm. we're seeing something. Oh, okay, it's a monster movie. Mm-hmm. And then... The face hugger fall. Oh, oh, and by the way, it's got acid for blood. You know, and then it falls off and dies. The threat is over. We know that it right. doesn't because we got some running time ahead of us. But then the surprise of how that alien is introduced in yeah. a scene that has been has t- billions of words written about right. it. The chest burster scene and how it was done and how a lot of the actors didn't realize how much blood was in those packets that were about to explode. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't exactly know what they were about to see. Just go with it. And then I had to Google this and I th- I'm sure I have in the past. How does that alien turn from the teeny tiny thing to just hours later being the full, Huge, the yeah. full size thing? 
And there's all kinds of explanations online. Don't need to go into all the geekdom of it. It's not important. No. But, um, well, except for the rules, Carl, except for the rules. <laughs> um, but then... They can create their own rules that don't have to be necessarily believable, but what they have to then follow. If the next alien that was born took a week to certainly. get to that size, that would be a problem. See, and here's the thing. But is what like, if it was you, just an alien that needed a little more incubation time? I don't know. You, that you breaks don't know the how rules. these factors... Uh, but you go back to their find on the planet that they were sent to where you have already seen some kind of alien creature with a hole in its chest, but it's shown so quickly yeah, that it's really re- rewarded with a repeat viewing or two or three or 20. Yeah. Um, so the rules, you know, they're, 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 they're keeping to their own rules that they create, but then it just becomes a good old classic one bad guy picking off each person in the film one at a time until they get down to the final showdown yeah which in 1979 was pretty damn i thought smart and ahead of its time probably to have that protagonist final protagonist be female yeah well it's my understanding that the character ripley was actually written as a man agree yeah i heard the same thing yeah Yeah. originally and then but then sigourney weaver was just like really fucking good (laughs) all right Nothing really needs to change about this character like, for you to play. Yeah, play it. And and it's it's great that it happened that way. I mean, for many reasons. But um, but well, the fact we that love Sigourney Weaver, right? The fact that icon. we have this character, um, it, it's it's all the saddest part of this character is that it didn't touch off more characters like Ripley. Ripley's, um very logical kind of singular you mean in like the film landscape yeah i mean you yeah. ca- you can't like you would have thought it would have touched off a bunch of copycats mm-hmm. and maybe there were and they were just unsuccessful and i haven't seen them but there weren't a whole lot of strong just kind of female played characters in action or horror films i mean there were final sarah girls connor. and yeah th- well that's true sarah connor would be would be a close one but it, it didn't touch it off in the way that you would think you yeah. know that- and and the final girl is it is as it works in traditional horror films like Jamie Lee Curtis and yeah. stuff is a, it's slight it's a bit different yeah uh, yeah N- nowhere near as Ripley tough as slightly, Ripley she's yeah she's tougher she's slightly more proactive in yeah. her own yeah. like fate and well and the, Ripley is right every every yeah, turn in constantly. the film every choice yeah. that Ripley tries to make would be the right choice. It's just that the crew thwarts her from being able to, she has to yield to Dallas. She has to yield to Partly because of Ash too. Yeah. Like misleading everybody. Yes. And yes. So I don't know the, the, the play with gender there though, it goes deeper. I mean, I know, you know, that you can get into some really geeky rabbit holes with, with a film like this because people have 40 plus years to think about it and talk about, it. but the fact that, you know, um, we see the male character be impregnated, have to go through birth, all this. Like, it reverses the gender roles there. And in this way that, like, wouldn't be giving, wouldn't giving birth to a child be horror, right, men? Like, aren't you, wouldn't having something burst forth from you? It's as visceral as it gets. And yet, women do this. That's what, you know, like, they actually do this. In a slightly less bone shattering way. But yeah. Yeah, right. They, although sometimes, honestly, you know, they, they, yeah, it, it's there are yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you think about that that they're playing around with that while they put this female character in the lead. This is a a bold film that gets away with it without ever raising anybody's eye. You know what I mean? This wasn't a film that people were protesting like the women's livers have gone too far. Yeah. You didn't hear that about this film. It wasn't because it all just works so well the way that they've put it together. 
um, not even calling attention to these things that they're doing that are very subversive in their own ways. The uh, the first mention of Alien in a roundabout way on the show would have been through a film we discussed in one of our, I think, collective favorite episodes, the Joe Dawarski episode, when we oh, watched yeah. Joe Dawarski's Dune. Yeah. And that film, go back to that episode and listen to that episode and get into his Joe Dawarski's work. But watch Joe Dawarski's Dune because it's just a fantastic documentary about how an unmade movie paved the way for so many of the science fiction staples that yeah. we have. And in that film, it talks about the forming of a team and how some of that team broke off to go do Alien. The first thing I did after I watched this movie was watch a, th- a film, a two-hour documentary. It was probably made for a DVD or something called The Beast Within, The Making of Alien. It's on YouTube right now. It's two hours long. It is incredible. And it retells that story of, of breaking away from Joe Dawarski's Dune and how Giger got involved. Uh, Giger, of course, the German exp- weirdo artist that came up with the designs for not only the alien creature, but some of the ships and planet you know looks a lot of the visuals are and then i watched aliens i watched it yeah i said let's do a back-to-back oh wow i used to believe that aliens and alien you could almost flip a coin because they're so different Mm -hmm. style wise arrow wise a crew figuring out how to overcome one alien and now in aliens we're going back to you know, there's you mean the infinity world? number of aliens. Game over, man. Um, aliens does not hold up. It does really? not hold up. Oh, Fuck wow. no, it well, doesn't. Alien now you, holds up times a hundred. This is unfair, Joe. You, you're you're coming at this with both of my arms tied behind my back. I haven't seen aliens in years. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't have a good I wouldn't waste my it. time, David. Wow. But I mean, we'll probably do an episode on it at some point because we were talking about the James Cameron reckoning. Uh, <laughs> but Carlos, I was going to hand it all over to you. I was going to set you up to go on a diatribe that I have been anticipating ever since I watched Alien. You said because of Ash's duplicity, the crew was put into peril. And that is true on a very overt way. But subversively, Ash is an android only following the instructions of his makers. And it's not Ash that really fucks this crew over. It's the corporation. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I knew that we were yeah. going to have a 10-minute diatribe on the, um, you know, the notion that the, that the corporation has, does not have human interest in mind, but only corporate interest in mind. And that's really the catalyst for all of the conflict in this film i mean yeah that is why any of these things happen is that crew expendable these are working class folks your only goal is to get that alien species back so we can study it yeah they're they're essentially like futuristic construction workers i mean they're they're the same kind of especially uh, type of jobs and stuff right Uh, right especially um Yafet Koto's character uh, Parker, Parker, and uh, and Brett, Harry Dean, Harry Dean Stan, Stan. Yeah, let's take a moment for Harry Dean Stan. My God, this man, mm. great, underrated. Yeah, not just in this. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously, uh, next week we're doing Pretty in Pink. Come on, guys, right? <laughs> Paris, Texas. <laughs> Paris. That's what I was gonna say. Paris, Texas. I'm fucking for it. Mm. Uh, that sweet Rye Cooter score that should have been in Nomadland, um, but. A hundred different scores would have worked. <laughs> sure. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton's great. I, 
he's he's just underrated in general across his entire career. I feel. Um, yeah, he w- one of those great character actors that just flies under a lot of people's radars. But then once you point out the roles that he's done and that they've said, like, I mean, he always yeah. brings something. He yeah. always brings something to it. Um, yeah, those two being like the most obvious. Like, you know, are we gonna get our bonuses, or whatever? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean this uh, this film obviously. Right. You know, but it's it's also very interesting because David said earlier about how this film is playing with gender in such an interesting way and like shucking gender conventions and flipping things on its head. It's also this very overt criticism of capitalism and oh yeah, the like idea that your workforce is simply a means to an end. It is and is expendable. Well, and but even, it also does that in a way that doesn't raise any eyebrows, similarly right. to how it handles gender. Right. Yeah. And and in a way that, you know, you can see how does a corporation see this creature that could bring the end of all mankind? They look at it as a new opportunity to, to for profit. You know yeah. what I mean? This could make us money. Right. In the in the war department of this And that's conglomerate. all we care about. Yeah. Um the documentary the beast within that again i think you should check out on youtube as a double feature with watching alien again uh talks about how yafikoto um fucked with sigourney weaver <laughs> that sh- this was her first film role it was yeah. she came from a theater background uh-huh. and being green being scared that yafikoto more than all of them used that to and that and that the scene where Parker is, um, I'm gonna go kill this motherfucker. Yeah, she's like Parker, shut up. You know, Parker was all like probably the seventh take of an improvised thing where she kept leaving the set crying because he was just being relentless toward her. Oh wow! And finally, I think he pulled her aside and said, "God damn it, we're playing two characters, and the emotion that you're feeling is not personal. Mm-hmm. Put it on the screen." Yeah, and. This guy was this guy between bone this everything else we discussed he 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 was a talent yeah and I'm glad that we took a an episode to to memorialize well, him in a way a- absolutely I'm I'm glad we did too and and I think you're right his talent comes across on screen that's a great anecdote I hadn't I hadn't watched that documentary mm-hmm. I watched a different one that I had I, I had do pointed really you to uh, memory the. Uh, Origins of Alien, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I saw that one. It was actually, and I and I looked. The guy who made that is the same guy who made that seventy eight fifty two documentary of uh, the psycho shower scene. You remember we were yeah, I, we talked about yeah, it. When yeah, we did, yeah. But it, his name is Alexander O Felipe, mm-hmm. and it, it's a really good doc. And okay. he more recently made. I don't know. It seems less heavy on the production details and more on the cultural context yeah. of it and what how the film okay. was seen then and how people see it yeah, now. The, the Beast Within is nuts and bolts from yes, pre-production right. to reception. Right, that's, that's a it's a fun documentary. Well, it's, I mean, whenever fun documentaries film, for films that you really enjoy. Right, whenever yeah. a film like this has the kind of longevity and reputation and cultural impact that that it does, it's gonna have. I mean, you could say volumes about it i mean we we, we've spent some time here but we're just scratching the surface i mean i think that it's legacy the films that came after it yeah and i'm sure we'll do some alien in the future whether it be aliens for james cameron or prometheus or something else yeah because i haven't uh, seen any of the new ones alien versus predator we've already done predator so maybe we should (laughs) alien versus predator and predator 2 i re (laughs) i recently tried to watch alien versus predator requiem Mm -hmm. unwatchable (laughs) 
I only say that because I hear they're doing a Zack Snyder cut on it. It's, <laughs> it's supposed to be really good. Yeah, seventy million dollars in reshoots <laughs> in only uh, four hours. Uh, yeah. yeah, I actually heard this one's five. Wow. Well, so so a classic uh, for sure. Classic holds up. It is. It is one of my. It is one of my favorite movies, favorite horror movies, sci-fi movies. Practical effects, Carlos. I was waiting for you to talk about practical mm. effects. Oh, I barely got a word in on this one. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, but uh, yeah, bring your beers and shut up. <laughs> that's why it. I mean, that's a big part of why it holds up. But you brought up pacing earlier, and it is very, it is very interesting to look back at this and look at the pacing because it is very slow in the beginning. But I feel like what's interesting about that is that at this time in filmmaking, especially, you know, stylistically and the way that people approach narrative is there was a lot of we're going to build this world for you. We're going to set this tone. We're going to do some character development. We're going to ease into Mm -hmm. it a little bit. And then we're going to give you like the last hour of like pretty intense action. Mm hmm. Now I feel like audiences kind of expect all of that to be happening amidst the action. It's yeah. a completely different way of approaching these types of things these days. Now you couldn't get away, or it's harder to get yeah. away with an hour of Slow develop up, of yeah. development. An hour. Well, of, it wouldn't be as know. remember that. That's what I was saying. That though, when Joe was bringing that up, was that you know part of me, even though it, I'm not living in that moment, you remember what it would have been like sci-fi films didn't have that Mm-mm. kind of they weren't like this there were only a couple there was and, i mean star wars yeah. 2001 star yeah, wars yeah and but it's so dark and dirty and the, i think grimy, there was nothing like this sci-fi wise right really. they, i mean i think that first hour wins you over just because it's so visually like mm-hmm. what is this space um, they've created when they show, what is this when they show the ship for the first time that wide of yeah. the ship it's like yeah. Fuck, that looks cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, Giger. And and Star Wars' success allowed the budget that Alien eventually got. Yeah. This was not going to be greenlit as the larger picture that it was Mm -hmm. until Star Wars hit and they just started pulling any freaking space script that that they had. And they still only got 11 million. Right. It's not a lot of money. Right. Right. Well, at the time, enough that they could do it. But yes, you're right. You're right. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's also some uh, deleted scenes, including Dallas being cocooned waiting for an egg to erupt and and ripley torches him it's on the dvd i saw oh. it, on it as a dvd extra and oh. they were correct to keep that out of it they they pulled it because for time yeah but also because i think ripley scott thought that they could explore that element in the future yeah the, the idea of the humans being like cocooned and farmed as hosts yeah. for the face hunters. yeah not something that we see. You see uh, in aliens. You see in aliens. Forty-two million dollars, forty-two million three hundred fifty-nine thousand dollars, sixty-two dollars and forty-six cents in today's money. Which brings us to another interesting point that I feel like we talk about a lot: is that film does not exist anymore. No, that that level the fifty of film, million dollar, the forty million, the thirty million dollar right. film. Is not a thing. It's a five million dollar film or a five hundred million dollar film. There's virtually no in between mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, and this is where you get the good shit. This is this where is, you get the is, goods. Well, it's 
you're right. It's a challenge. The only saving grace is that we have filmmakers like uh, Brandon Cronenberg and others who can work on those small budgets and still produce some pretty amazing and visionary can, stuff. And you can probably reel in some talent with, you know, back end deals on box office grosses. Yeah. Keep keeping like the, the salaries down for the bigger actors. It's yeah. a, so yeah. that you can still meet your budget, but mm-hmm. then. But there were no big actors in this film. But, but you're right. No, there so wasn't. The, maybe John Hurt, would he? No. No. No, yeah. he was more. No, I mean, no, not, yeah. you're right. No, nobody was like. With this one, as no, far as the Nobody film was pulling down huge salaries yeah. for yeah. this film. No. No huge names. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is a sad thing. So, you know get out there, revisit films like this that, that were able to do what they did at a scale that probably isn't quite achievable now. Um, I've rewatched almost all of these movies in the last like month. I started doing this before we knew we were, before you have it. Oh yeah. Obviously we were going to be doing this. I didn't go back to this one, which was actually kind of a nice accident that we ended up doing this because I had watched this about a year, maybe mm-hmm. two ago. And so whenever I was like, oh, I should go back and, like watch some of these. I actually had never seen aliens until about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least not front to back in one sitting. Yeah. Um, and so I was, it was, I was glad that I didn't start with this one because I got to go back a little fresher for yeah. this viewing. It's a pretty good franchise though. Yeah. Well, I'm, something we can explore in the future. I think so. Absolutely. W- will we explore more fair state in the future after this, uh, I wish dealing I, with the main boss. I wish I had thought about this harder. I feel like we've done Fair State before. <laughs> we have. I, I'm well. I, did, I didn't I'll want to pull. I say I that pull the doc up. But. I think that these twelve percent and higher ABV beers fall into several categories, and we use terms over and over and over again to describe them. And the one that we like to watch is the, the one that we like to say, or that we do say often, is that twelve percent doesn't hit me over the head. You know, in other words, the booziness that I would expect from a 12%, maybe a barley wine, is not present in this, we say often. It's very present here. This is, this is a boozy beer. And on, on my palate, I'm tasting the booze. And then it goes into two categories. A boozy that's unattractive and a boozy that is attractive. Mm-hmm. This is an attractive, boozy beer. All of those flavor notes I'm getting and the booziness is enjoyable. <laughs> we we had fair state on episode 41 we had their doughball destroyer that was a, a lot farther back than i expected it was but i feel like we've had some others off mic that that have come up but there have but been that, quite a few we've had them on the show officially once yeah. market before david what did you think i thought it was a big punch to the mouth of decadent chocolate coconut yeah, yeah. Almond. I mean, it it was truth in all the advertising that was there. Um, I, I don't know. It's 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 hard to. It's a big guy. It is thick. I, with I, three C's. I would not want to uh, take this one to no. the company picnic yeah. or you or know solo. Yeah, it's a tough yeah, solo the, dome for sure. Th- this is definitely one to share with friends. But I'm enjoy- I'm enjoying every second. Of but it. tasty as hell. Yeah, it really really is good. But. But in a like I said, I'll repeat myself in a way that we don't that we don't use often. Yeah. The booze is front and center, I think, in the in in the, the taste of it. Yeah, it's a decadent boozy bomb that just 
Yeah. Ooh. I mean, if it's all it's syrupy. It it's got so much body to it. You know, as Carlos said, the three C thick, maybe even four. Ooh. Heck, I'll give it five C's. Five C's. <laughs> I, I feel like all I'd have to do is put this in a saucepan and barely bring it to a simmer to get it to the consistency where I could just use it as a topping on an ice cream sundae. And I thought you were going to say you get the heat high enough and it just spontaneously combusts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, the thickness is more what I'm yeah, going. Like right. if I reduced it a little bit, it would just, you it's know. actually a pretty good five idea. Five C bastard. <laughs> Reduce it and put uh, it on ice cream. All right, well, this has been a fun episode. It's been a great I mean, episode. Great beer, great films. A remembering film that everyone a great... loves Alien and a film that no one's seen Bone that yeah. I think they w- might love a little bit if they finally check it out. And two, right. three fantastic beers. Yeah. You want to know what I thought about the beer? Oh, I thought you oh, gave it to us. The, we, I didn't say anything. Please, tell us. Tell us. What do you, <laughs> you think? You talk what so think? much about Zack Snyder's cut that we figured you were all talked out. Go ahead. I'm on the fence about it. Uh-huh. Hmm. It's that almond syrup that's kind of, I can't, I'm, I'm a little fixated on it. I, it's, I'm not getting a lot of coconut because I feel like really all I'm tasting is that almondy kind hmm. of syrup. Like an amaretto-y almost? Amaretto-y. Yeah, Thank sweet. you. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That it's overshadowing some of that coconut for me, I feel. I don't want more than one. In a sitting, I'll tell you that. I and don't know that I could even do so a whole one. You're, you're I mean, just... and, and and it's it's not that I'm even. I'm not saying that I don't like it because that's not true at all. I have refilled my glass, so obviously I don't not like it because I wouldn't be drinking more of it if I did. Mm-hmm. If you listen to a Patreon from like two a Patreon episode from like two weeks ago, you will you will hear us react to a beer we don't like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, definitely, I couldn't drink a whole can of it by myself. And, you know, it's still, you know, honestly, it's still pretty cold. And so I'm interested in its war- its development as it warms. I, I understand where you're coming from. I think, especially in the flavor, I got, I got it, it, it fought it's less in bad, the nose. Though. But in the flavor, the almond does overwhelm the coconut a little bit. I, and as somebody who loves the coconut when it's in the beer, especially I understand you that you feel a little shortchanged. That it doesn't have the big coconut. Where if you had just taken the almond out, maybe you would have a more pronounced coconut presence. Yeah. Possibly. It is it is fairly good though. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, great beers, great movies. And if you had this beer, if you're listening to the show and you've had this beer and you disagree with any of us, whether you liked it more than I did or you liked it less than they did, mm-hmm. um, if you didn't like Alien, please just don't ever talk to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no reason, there's no reason for us to have an exchange or uh, interaction with one another. But, oh, come but, on. But I'm please not... please watch Bone and let us know yeah, about that. I, I, I really do hope that some of our listeners, uh, you know, if they didn't take our recommendation prior to listening to this episode, after having heard our discussion on it, feel compelled to at least give it a shot. Um, if any of those things apply to you and you wish to discuss it, uh, you can find us on all of your favorite social media channels, Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast.com is a thing. If you want to be in the loop on this mysterious, mythical after hours business that we keep <laughs> discussing, you can find that on Patreon.com slash Beer and Movie Podcast, $5 a month. 
gets you a bonus episode every single week. You can donate less if you like, but you won't get access to those sweet bonus episodes. And you can donate more if you really got it like that and just want to flex on us. Um, and yeah, the Apple podcast thing. I always forget about the Apple podcast thing. If you're listening to this on Apple podcast, please rate, review and subscribe. Uh, subscribing helps you stay up to date on all of our most recent episodes. You'll be the first person to know about it. You can show up at work after your commute and be like, guys, did you listen to the most recent beer in a movie? And all of your plebe peasant coworkers will be like, what beer in a movie? I, haven't, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know that a new episode posted already. And you'll be like, you don't subscribe, motherfucker. And they'll be you like, what? Get- I can subscribe. And you'll be like, yes. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> we know you're going to leave us a five-star wow. review. But please, a five-star rating, sorry, but please leave that written review and tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. We're always trying to make the show better for you, the listener, and if you do that, I might just review your review on the show. All this helps us out a great deal. That yeah, Whenever does. someone uh, searches beer podcast, movie podcast, or whatever, the podcast uh, landscape is vast. It's vast. It's very it saturated. It helps us out when you tell a friend and yeah, tell do some friend, of this shit. Tell a friend about it. Um, and again, hit us up on the, on the social medias because mm-hmm. we want to know, we want to know when you feel that Joe is wrong and I am right. Hmm. We want to hear your feedback on those things when we course, have our, our steaming We're waiting for that and no one's ever going to talk to us. <laughs> but anyway, this has been another fantastic, uh, titillating episode of Beer in a Movie. <laughs> Until next time. I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies. <laughs>